Hello, dear friend, and welcome. My name is Cynthia Alice Anderson, and I'm the owner and founder of the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. I have been so honored to be able to offer these programs several days a week, and these programs I know are inspiring, they are supporting, and they are uplifting your life's journey. I want to see that continue, and I honor you for being a part of making that happen. So for over five years, we've been able to offer these programs, and we want to continue to be able to offer them. So over the next 90 days, we are raising $9,000, and that's going to get us all the way through the end of the year. So I ask you to consider taking the time to support the channel that supports you. And again, our goal that we're asking you to be a part of is $9,000 in 90 days. And we look forward to hearing from you, friend. We're honored to support your journey. And we always are lifting you in prayer for God's highest and best in your life. Blessings on the journey, dear friend. And I look forward to seeing you very soon. Welcome to the Dr. Donna Podcast, here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. Innovative, evidence-based recovery that helps to identify intergenerational trauma, allowing for freedom and embracement of the healing process. Today, episode 133, How Technology Affects Each Generation, Part 3. And now your host, Dr. Donna Bevanley. I'm Dr. Donna, and welcome to my podcast, I'm glad that you are back, and uh, I've I've been talking about uh, some information that I've read in this book called Generations by Doctor Twinge, and you know I'll say one one more time, and I might say it some more too because I don't know if I'm finished talking about this, but um, this is a vitally important book. I think everyone should read it. Anybody who has interested in saving the planet, saving our country, you know, saving our generation, saving our human race, I think this is critical reading. Um, so last time I, I, I stopped talking about, um, the trans issue going from, you know, trans from female to male. That's kind of popular these days. I got, I got, uh, sidetracked, which sometimes I do. Um, anyway, I wanted to finish that. Um, so that Gen Zers have this going on way more than anyone else. I mean, yes, there are some millennials. Uh, I personally don't know any boomers that have, you know, gone all the, the direction where they're, completely transition surgically and, and, you know, in every other way. Um, but there are two things I want to say about it. One is that I was on one of my news sites today and this news site sometimes have TikTok things on it and I don't do TikTok, but I was listening and it was a young person who had made a full transition from female to male. And, you know, I thought it was a young guy. Sometimes I think that transition ends up being like, yeah, I know you got a mustache and I know you got 
you know, you you kind of look female, but you also look male. But, you know, this young person had made the transition successfully. I thought it was a guy. Until they started talking. And then they were talking about how they wish they hadn't done it now that they were older. And, you know, they they just, no one told them what it would be like to not be able to have kids, to, you know, to feel like your friends that, you know, it's like your whole world changed and nobody really told them. And uh, this person was regretful about that. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting because I'd had a conversation a while back where, where I was sitting with a Gen Z person, young woman who, uh, I'm sorry if I offend anybody about the pronouns. I don't quite get that yet. I'm working on it. Anyway, so this young woman was sitting with me and her parents had wanted her to talk to me and to have me do some evaluation because she wanted to do this trans from female to, to male. And she was like 18. And so we were talking and I was, you know, I was telling her that, you know, well, here, here was her situation. Let me tell you. Without, I'm not breaking confidentiality. I'm sure this is true for a lot. But, you know, when she was a teenager, she realized that she liked girls better. We call that being gay or lesbian. Um, and so she had a girlfriend and, you know, they're in high school. So didn't didn't last for long. <laughs> didn't last forever anyway. And then... Went to college and met some other people who were gay and, but, and girls, you know, women who were gay and they hung out and, you know, they finally decided to get a place together and all that, like people do. And they all decided that they're going to transition. So now they're, they went from being gay to trans. And two of them had already, had gone and had the surgery and were the whole bit. And then she was, you know, kind of wondering if she should do that. And I'm thinking, I said, what, hold, hold, hold the horses. <laughs> I said, did you always feel like you were a girl or a boy trapped inside of a girl's body? Oh, I don't know what that means. Well, did you feel like you were a boy? When you were young, do you remember feeling like you were trapped in a boy, in a girl's body? Well, when somebody doesn't know what I'm talking about, that to me is a red flag. Because if you really feel like you are the opposite gender of what you were, how you were born, you know that pretty soon as a child. You may not have vocabulary for it, but as you get older and you understand this concept, it'll suddenly make sense. So the fact that 
she didn't know what I was talking about was a red flag to me. I said, when did you think that you were really trans and that you were really a guy trapped inside of a female body? And she goes, oh, you know, probably a few months ago. And I said, you want to make this transition now? Well, yes, I don't, you know, I'm, I don't want to be a female. I'm not really a female. I'm a, I'm a male. So I pointed out to her, I said, look, if that's what you need, then that's what you need. Let me tell you a couple of things, though. Is that at this point in your life, your frontal lobe, which means the executive part, you know, if you've heard me talk about this before, but the frontal lobe is that part of your brain that helps you make good decisions. We call it the executive function. Okay. It's not fully grown or formed before you're 25 or 26 years old. Okay, so if you're going to make a change that will forever impact your life for the rest of your life, don't you think you'd want that part of your brain completely mature? Don't you think you'd want that part of your brain functioning? It's kind of like... um <laughs> How many of you people out there that, you know, have cars or learn, do you, would you feel like your 12 year old was ready to drive a car? And they might be tall enough to reach the pedals and God knows kids are just taller and taller these days, but they might be big enough to sit in the, in the driver's seat, reach the pedals. You know, pull the, move the steering wheel. They might be able to do that. Would you feel comfortable with a 12-year-old driving a car down the freeway? I bet most of you wouldn't. And the reason for that isn't because they can't reach the pedals. The reason for that is that their brains have not reached a level of maturity where they can look at something, make rapid decisions, you know, decide to do something in the spur of the moment that they have to do in order to drive this car. Because there's way more to it than just pushing down the gas pedal, knowing where the brake is, and steering the thing. There's connections that are still being made in somebody's brain that will help them to you know, have a better response time to, you know, make better decisions. To know that, well, if the law says I can't drink and drive, I better not. And now they might think they better not, but they do it anyway because they're still pretty impulsive. And that impulsivity starts to, you know, minimize the impact of people's lives if their brains are fully formed. So I said, you know, did you know this about your brain? That 
You know, it's that part that's going to make this decision for you and it's not fully formed. Does that make you feel safe? And, you know, I think I probably got labeled as a bad person because I never saw him again. Or that I was, you know, being judgmental or doing a microaggression or any number of those things that I'm still trying to figure out what they are. <laughs> and it gets harder. <laughs> it gets harder. Um, and I think, okay, so here are all these young people transitioning from male to female. I mean, from female to male. And one of the critical issues that we have in our country today is that people aren't having children. And you might think, well, that's a good thing. Well, in some ways it is. If everybody in the world decides to join that, you know, well, what we need to cut the number of people that we bring into this world because the planet can't support us all. Okay. If we all can agree to that, that'd be good. But people in our country, that same kind of thing that happened in Japan for all different reasons. But the people in our country are deciding not to have children. That's Gen Z. Um, so we've got a drop in population and we have a large number of girls transitioning to female or male. They're not going to have children. And then we have or people who are growing up not knowing how to be in relationships aren't interested in sex. They're probably not going to have kids either. And so, you know, there will be, you know, the, criti the critical part of this will start happening down the road for me where, well... Social Security will get busted. I mean, you, I mean, Social Security is based on the idea that, you know, you're putting in and that the number of people that will be working when you're not working anymore are going to be able to, to continue to put in so that when they stop working, there will still be people putting in so that, you know, this was designed to be a program that would go on generation after generation after generation. And unless something changes, that program really will go bust and it won't have anything to do with whether you're Republican or Democrat. It will have to do with the fact that we don't have enough people in the workforce to fund it. And if we don't have enough people in the workforce, we might find things like you go to your favorite grocery store. It's closed today because we don't have enough people to work. And, you know, I know for a fact that one of the gas stations that I go to, that's, that happens. I've been to that gas station several times and it's closed because, and there's a sign up that says, we don't have enough people to work today. So it changes our society, the way we, think about oh gosh i you know i need to get gas for you know for whatever i'm going to be thinking that i'm doing tomorrow well maybe that'll just be that we stop driving i don't know <laughs> i mean but it's absolutely changing how in every aspect of our society and 
a few times on my podcast, I've talked about how parenting is, you know, has the most impact. And, and I think it still does for sure. But I think this technology thing is doing more parenting than parenting, than real parenting. You've heard me say this before, and I know it's true. And that is that what children, small, you know, babies want is that they want time, attention, and energy from primary caregivers, from the adults in their lives. And if the adults in their lives are fubbing, which they're not really paying attention to what the kids are doing, they're on their phones texting or scrolling or whatever else people do on their phones. Children know that that is what is important. Now, you know, I I did want to talk more about those children that are growing up now, but I just want to say that children know when the parents are actually paying attention to them. They know. You can't fake that. Children know when the grown-ups are paying attention to them. It's really interesting to me, being a grandmother, then, you know, I I absolutely am one of those grandparents who absolutely adores their grandchildren. I'm going to have another one. Um, But the one I have is like, I absolutely love him as much as a person could love someone. And we do a lot of FaceTiming, and that's one of the really positive aspects of technology, is it? You know, I get to see him and he gets to see me and we have these little conversations because he's conversational. And uh, but one of the things that he loves about calling us and doing FaceTime is that, you know, we have this little camera. How are you doing? Oh, blah, blah, blah. And today I went to school and blah, blah, blah. That means he went to daycare. He's not he's not even free yet. So he's not in school. But, you know, he goes to his school and he. You know, it's been playing. And then he sets the phone down where he can, you know, he makes sure he can see us. He sets the phone down and then he says, Grandmas, watch me play. Watch me play. And then he'll start playing. And then he'll look over at his phone and say, Hi, Grandmas. Watch me play. And he'll go over and he starts, because he plays. You know, he does the whole, like, and this is going that way. And this is, you know, we watch him play. And he will sit there and keep going. He'll he'll come back over the phone. Hi, grandmas. Then he'll go play some more. He'll do that all day. (laughs) Just until he, you know, has to go eat or he has to go to have a nap he would sit there and do that with us all day and because we are absolutely watching him play we're watching him we say oh you're so funny and that was so good and you know what's that guy doing and you know he's like where's tim tim's one of his little characters that he had I think Tim's over in the fire station. Check there. And so we're not just watching him play. We're actually playing with him. That's how important it is. And he knows that we are absolutely paying attention. And we don't have to work. 
we don't have to, you know, do all the things that his parents have to do. They both work. They both got stuff going on. And I know they're not in the other room, okay, when this is happening. But still, time, attention, and energy. So when they tell him, well, or it's time for your nap, he is not a happy camper. No, no, grandmas. (laughs) And then, of course, he has to deal with it. Now, here's a fun fact. I say fun. Because there, you know, I've been talking about this as if this was there are critical issues going on. But this generation of my grand, he calls Doctor uh, Twinge, said it's like either the polar generation or Generation Alpha. Um, it's like these kids are resilient. They are. So probably going to be some of the most resilient people ever at this point. Now, they're young, okay? This generation, the polar generation or generation alpha, these kids were under, you know, five or under, I think. I don't have it in front of me, but five or under when the pandemic hit and since. And so, you know, I think it may be seven or eight and under when the pandemic hit because she talks about these kids being in school, doing all the things that they do in school, learning how to interact with each other, learning how to deal with the fact that we're all not the same person and, you know, having little relationships and friendships and, you know, being in school and having that focus from teachers to now they're being, you know, they're going to school online. They're, you know, not seeing any of their friends. People aren't masked up. I've talked before about how, you know, my little grandson, he was born in 2020. He was, he was born in the beginning of the pandemic and everybody he saw had a mask on. And all of his little friends they all saw people with masks on. And so they're not necessarily smiley. <laughs> they don't have much facial expression at all because there wasn't any mirroring going on. There was just masking. Now, you know, I know for a fact that my old grandson, his parents took off their mask after a while, but they still had it on when he was a baby most of the time. Because they're, it's like babies would die of COVID. And so, you know, these little little guys, they just didn't have all that mirroring. And then finally we were able to, you know, grandparents could take their masks off. Parents could take their masks off. And, you know, but they missed a pretty big chunk of that time where there's mirroring. But they also... You know, they're now going back, you know, to school. They're all, you know, kind of learning how to... That creates an environment where people develop resilience. How can I bounce back from something that was really tough? Not just for them, but for the world. There were all kinds of kids all over the world with masks on who weren't in school anymore. 
you know, I, I think uh, that, and it's also a time when we were even got more polarized. The grown-ups got more polarized. And that wasn't just for our country. It was all over the world. And, you know, I, I but I do believe that these little guys, they weren't polarized. <laughs> they were developing resilience. And they have technology. They're, you know, they have technology already. Um, it's part of their lives. They don't even think about it. They they don't think about it anymore than like sitting at the dinner table. <laughs> it's like it's just what is. And in my generation, that wasn't true, but it is for them. And, you know, some of the hope I have for the future is that, you know, they went through this and they were impacted by it. Um, much like, you know, like the silence, the, the silence generation, they went through the depression and world wars and they came out of those situations with a lot of resilience. They came out and said, okay, we need to make sure we take care of each other financially because, you know, we can't ever let people starve to death anymore in the event that their situations occur. And, you know, this is pretty big and it was worldwide. That hasn't happened since the last world war. And so... I guess we'll see, but I know they're resilient already. I know that they can, you know, they're going to show us the way. And uh, I'll probably pick up on this again next time because I think it's so important. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Donna podcast here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. This channel is made possible because of listeners just like you. If you would like to support the channel with your tax-deductible contribution on an ongoing basis or through a one-time gift, head over to experienceofthesoul.com support. The Dr. Donna Podcast is copyright 2023, Dr. Donna Bevanley, all rights reserved. Our theme music is composed by Dave Croft and used with permission. The Experience of the Soul Podcast Channel is a production of 818 Studios.